Game On on 2FM with Green Fern. Fuel your day with Green Fern's new high-protein cooked chicken breast fillets. 100% natural and packed with flavour. Well, thanks to Jenny Green for the last three hours. It's Wednesday, 22nd of December. I'm John Kenny. This is Game On. Coming up today, Jeff Shepard on the sporting shutdown in the United States of America. Came out before the season, said they're not going to postpone any games, but that's not going to happen. They're going to play them regardless. Then all of a sudden, you have Raiders and Browns move from Saturday to Thursday. Seattle and the Rams are moved to Tuesday. Washington and the Eagles, they're moved to Tuesday. Stephen Kelly tells us the standout Premier League fixtures from the festive season. We'll also find out what sports fans are looking forward to in 2022. And in cricket, the Irish captain Andy Balburnie on life outside of a bubble. I think the fact that guys are able to kind of go to a shop or go to a restaurant, that just has a knock-on effect on how everyone's feeling. And um, hopefully that sort of bit of freedom gives us that freedom when we go out and play as well. If you want us to get in touch, you can text us 51552 or tweet us at GameOn2FM. GameOn on 2FM. And that first match for the Irish cricket team starts at 7 o'clock tonight, I believe live on Premier Sport. Uh, good luck to the Irish team. First time in 48 years there in the United States of America, ahead of games against the West Indies in Jamaica. Fingers crossed they all go to plan. I know they've had one or two COVID cases there, but looks like the matches are going to go ahead as planned. Get in touch, 515. 552, that's 51552 or you can uh, tweeter us at GameOn2FM that's at GameOn2FM Now we've got to kick the programme off with uh, Stephen Bradshaw, former Leinster rugby player but he's now involved with a company called Tineo and you've actually got your key findings from the Tineo Sport and Sponsorship Index for 2021 Welcome to studio Stephen Thanks a million um, Ireland's two most admired sports stars, boxers Tatey Taylor, five years in a row uh, Olympic champion Kerry Harrington Top spot, 16%. Harrington's gold medal, the greatest sporting achievement, 20%. Uh, Taylor, Harrington, jockey, Rachel Blackmore in the top three of the top five achievements provided by women. Soccer on top of the uh, graph, along with Gaelic Games on 18% as Ireland's favourite sport. And team of the year, our team Ireland took home gold medals and bronze as well from the Tokyo Olympic Games. But just to point all this out, this is not primarily from a sports, avid sports person's point of view. This is the general public, isn't it? That's correct, yeah. This is a survey that is conducted where we speak to the general public to find out what their interests and attitudes are towards sport and also their heroes. So while sports fans uh, may be very, very familiar with all these uh, faces and names, it's the general public that we want to understand and we want to get insight. And after 12 years of doing this, this year is definitely the year for women in sport where they dominate uh, sport across all categories. Yeah, this is very televisual though, isn't it? Yes, it is, absolutely. I think what we found is... It's beamed into their homes. It is beamed into their homes, which is great. And what what we found is obviously with sport coming back and people getting to go to sport, it's not only televisual, but it's also with the engagement and the experiences people are having with with the sport. One of the most notable ones is this year where the Irish team came second in the... um, greatest sporting uh, moment uh, after beating the All Blacks however that was tipped uh, by Kelly Harrington who uh, won gold in the Tokyo Olympics earlier in the year and Kelly for the first time uh, Katie has joined uh, with another boxer at 16% for the most admired sports star uh, followed closely by uh, Rachel Blackmore our, our jockey after doing so well in Aintree and Cheltenham so it's a super super year for women in sport if you actually asked the hardened uh, sports fan, do you think this would be a different outcome? 
I, I think there'd be a lot of names that would still pop up, for example, with Katie. While Katie has been a household name for the last five or six years, um, she is doing so because she's um, one of those characters that people actually can affiliate with and, and, and grow grow to love and like. Uh, her work in the ring is unquestionable. Her skill comes through um, every time she performs and I think sports fans would, would find that uh, they would put her at the at the top as well but again that's another that's for another discussion Yeah, Carrie Harrington up there as well obviously is the greatest sports achievement of the year at 20% but that's no surprise really is it? No, I think if you look at it as well Team Ireland did super this year in terms of becoming team of the year as well with 24% from the general public but Kelly's um, I suppose Kelly's sole gold medal uh, in the Tokyo Olympics was was an incredible moment in, in sports history, in Irish sports history. Interestingly enough, Kelly isn't on her own when it comes to the greatest sporting achievement because uh, Rachel Blackmore came third with 11% and she uh, did so well in entry and, and becoming a champion jockey at Cheltenham. Uh, it's incredible to see uh, her achievement considering that she's competing against men and she's leading the way for future women in, uh, in horse racing. And then coming fifth in that is Katie's um, uh, defence of the world titles. So there's three women in the, in the top or the greatest sporting achievement, uh, which, is, which is fantastic to see. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Rachel Blackmore, you mentioned her there, she's won the BBC International Sports Star of the Year, won the RT Sports Star of the Year, won the Irish Times Sports Star of the Year as well. She's had a remarkable year. Incredible year. Um, and I, I think uh, she's such an inspiration to um, boys and girls and to men and women alike. I think what she has done for horse racing is is very much put it back on the map for a lot of people, especially in the general public's eyes. Um, we can see that as well when it comes to the favourite sport this year horse racing has made it into the top five and no doubt that's as a result of um, Rachel Blackmore's uh, incredible achievements The team of the year, if you go back to when I have a list of them here, back to about 2017 mm. uh, last year the leading was the Dublin Senior Football Team, then the Limerick Hurley Senior Football Team, then the Leinster Rugby Team, and down to Ladies Football Team was at number four the Ireland Women's Hockey Team 2019, that's natural enough, I suppose, with the, their success at uh, both the Olympics and also at the, uh, in the World Championships. But it, it was predominantly men's teams over the last uh, four years. Now that's changing, isn't it? It is changing. I, I think what, what, while this is only tipping the iceberg of the information that we have within the, uh, the TSSI uh, report, what it does show, though, is that we have... Uh, Dublin who were top of the table last year in 2020 they're not even in the top five this year and I think it goes down to performance as well you know sure. so those who perform super, super well, that's well. the difference then isn't it it's because you you, you visualise the general public are saying okay well who's the best team well the team that's winning things is, is in our eyes the best team isn't it well in general I think when, when teams are doing well it's builds momentum and people gather more support they gather more support for them but equally so if you look at it the Irish women's team in, in soccer um, have come in at 12% of team of the year this year which is fourth or joint fourth with, with Limerick who are the All-Ireland Hurling Champions yeah. now we then have it split out between the Olympic teams and the Paralympian teams and they're, they're in the top three with the Olympic team Team Ireland uh, leading the charge and then also then with the Irish men's rugby team who are coming second now the survey was taken November to December so there's obviously a bit of re uh, recency bias no doubt but what it does showcase is that there's still a number of events that have happened earlier in the year that are still top of mind 
Well, yeah, what about that? You, you broached it there, the Paralympics. Uh, we did a quite extensive coverage here in RT of the Paralympics. I did 140 commentaries on the swimming. It was huge. Um, how did that uh, resonate with people? Oh, well, well, if you look at um, the likes of Ellen Keane, she is in the uh, remit of the, one of the most admired athletes in the in the country as well, with joint uh, fourth with Paula Donovan, Tyke Furley and Katie, Katie McCabe at 4%. But I think you look at so many of the Paralympian athletes, they are winning golds and silvers and bronze left, right and centre, but they're performing out of their skin. And I think it really rallied the nation. I think when we see... Um, um, Paralympians performing at such an elite level, um, it really kind of gives a um, fact that the the Irish public um, are are backing them and supporting them, and it's resonating with them. Do you think the uh, well, obviously, it's 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 been very successful as uh, the be seen. Um, campaign for, for women's sport across all sorts of different sports that seems to be as I said they're going to use the same word again resonating with people yeah it is like we're seeing more coverage as well I think this year we've seen a huge increase in coverage of women's sport which is testament to the fact that they're, the level of, of uh, competition they're playing at is, at is at a high performing level an elite level um, but what is historic about this is that this is the first time that we've seen uh, three women top the table of most admired as he said Katie has been leading the charge for a number of years but she has been doing so in 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 complete isolation where the gap has been quite large between yeah. her and now you see Kelly coming back uh, on, on the same level playing field um, I think what it is interesting to see is that when given the opportunity when showcasing in the in the correct manner that um, the Irish public are, are really supporting and getting behind the women's games all right, let's uh, fast forward a year. Um, the event most people are looking forward to in 2022. Again, <laughs> I have to say, this is general public. The Six Nations, really? 29%. Yeah, yeah. Sur surprisingly enough, I think, uh, to see... Um, it's back si on RT, folks, Nations, by the but, way. But so. what, what, it, what is interesting here is that because this is the general public, I think the Autumn Internationals and the Autumn Nations Series Ireland doing so well, yeah. there's a big appetite for people who are interested to see how Ireland do now in the Six Nations. We know that there's always peaks post-World Cup uh, events and Ireland seem to do quite well. It's trying to maintain that momentum now into the Six Nations but interesting we, we have the World Cup there in the Soccer World Cup as number two where Ireland aren't part aren't of the, yeah, the tournament yeah. that's very very interesting because that, that kind if of, they were probably would be leading it, potentially it? yeah because yeah. It, what, it, what it does actually correlate is that soccer is uh, Ireland is the general public's most favourite sport and that's obviously joined with, with Gaelic Games but that's the first time it's been up at the top since 2017 so there's obviously uh, work that's happening with, with with Pat Kenny and his and the men's team, and then Stephen also Kenny. or Stephen Kenny, sorry, Pat Kenny would men's love to. Team. Yeah, Steve yeah, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, yeah, and then Vera Powell then on the women's game. So the success that they're having and the constant improvement of performances is is coming through uh, in the survey. Yeah, and that's a combination of both men and women as well. Correct, so that's yeah. that's good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Six Nations back in RT as I mentioned, well, it's great. So twenty nine percent. Six nations looking forward to 2022. 26th the World Cup. 12% um, the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. Only 9% for the football. And 7% the Shetland Festival. That's that's about par for the course as well. But I, football is down. Football's down. Know. But I think you look at this, this is a 26-county survey as well. So obviously Tyrone did so well in the yeah. in, and winning the winning the championship this year. Uh, maybe the, it, it, it's, a, it's a factor. But... To see the hurling championship at twelve percent is actually really, really, really good to see because 
um, the final between uh, with with Limerick and Cork uh, this season or this year um, was was one that I think a lot of uh, fans got got to see the skill set of Limerick backing it up a year uh, two years in a row. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can do it again next year. So what is this survey then used for? As you as a PO company, uh, Taneo Sport. What would you use this for then? Yeah, so within Teneo, like our, our one of our divisions is the sports advisory team. So our um, index actually goes into a lot more detail. So we're able to obviously um, understand what the preferences are in the general public between uh, various types of ages, male and female. We also use this insight to help us with our uh, uh, communication strategies and with our commercial strategies for our clients. So we're able to get a deeper insight into what's working and what maybe isn't working more mm. importantly so that we can obviously steer our team and our clients in the, in the correct in the correct uh, direction. But what it does showcase though is that after 12 years we've gathered so much insight on a continuum, continuous basis that we're able to see different tr- trends that are happening. Obviously last year um, with with COVID having such a huge effect on sport and people attending sport, it was it was uh, a little bit tricky to to understand. It was interesting to see that the technology aspect of things were coming through. Whereas this year, because sport is back, we're able to see now how important it is about rallying a nation, how important those experiences are, and how it brings people together. Yeah, um, but these are these are basically the top sports in Ireland: Gaelic games, rugby, soccer. Okay, so where does the rest of the sports then come from? Rallying, swimming, whatever. I mean, is because of these top sports are the other ones then being overlooked? No, not at all. So what happens is this is just as said as a as a, as a snapshot of what people are seeing. So when we drill down into the detail, we can see what other sports are resonating with different audience, different socioeconomic backgrounds, and also different ages. So we're able to drill down into that in a little bit more detail, especially if certain brands and organizations are trying to find out a little bit more of people in those areas, especially while somebody may, like, for example, Leone Maguire, super this year. However, she doesn't res- she doesn't come into the into the top four or five, but she's six she's seventh in the in the table when and it comes rising, to, I'd say, and, yeah. and rising yeah. exactly. So the more successful people are going, or more successful our athletes are and our elite athletes are, the more uh, interest their general public will have, and then also then the more interest the brands would want to have w- in in trying to communicate with the, with that audience. All right, uh, before we let you go, Stephen, obviously a former Leinster player, must be very disappointed that the Leinster Munster match is off. Oh uh, yeah, well uh, that's actually um, uh, I know it. I think. Um, I, I, I had a year there, which was which was great. But it was um, I'm from Limerick originally, so <laughs> it's uh, it's disappoint, you, disappointing okay. to see that uh, the game is off this uh, this weekend. But uh, obviously, everybody has to take the precautions sure. necessary to stay safe. Absolutely. Listen, Stephen Bradshaw from Taneo, thanks for joining us in the studio. We'll have you again next year, hopefully, if Game On is still on. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Uh, I in America, Jeff Shepard next. <laughs> Dinners made easy with Green Farm's high-protein cooked chicken breast fillets range. Available in selected stores nationwide. Game on. I in America. Game on, John Kelly, this Wednesday night. Just to alert you to a programme tomorrow night, it'll be Marie and Ruby with the best of... Uh, 2021. That's from 6 o'clock tomorrow night here on Game On. But uh, for the moment, it is I in America and uh, my old pal Jeff Shepard. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm great, John. How are you, buddy? Good. Can't complain. Uh, living the life. Living the life. <laughs> how, are, how are you getting on over there? 
Uh, we're doing all right. We're uh, you know kind of in the middle of the uh, the, the Christmas family gatherings. Uh, we've we've had a couple already. Have another one tonight and a couple this weekend. So we are we are fighting through it. Good. Now uh, you didn't really want to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it. I know. Yeah. COVID. What's it doing to American sports right now? Well, I mean, look, it, it's kind of almost um, just been sitting on the sidelines for the last month or two. I mean, really not having that much of an impact. Um, but as we have seen all over the place, it is roaring back uh, onto the field right now. So, uh, you know, kind of almost take it league by league. I mean, the the. the stoppage in play in the NHL has happened uh, in the professional hockey league they're going to basically take the rest of this week off and, and come back after the Christmas break um, the NFL last week had to move around three games and including your Washington football team oh, don't played, rub it in lost to the Eagles they oh, were 10-0 up at ha- to the first quarter and then blew right, it right yeah and w- with a quarterback that they signed on yeah. Friday in, in uh, what was it Garrett Gilbert was Garrett his name Gilbert, I mean he yeah. was on the Patriots practice squad last week because Tyler Heineke was in the COVID protocols and he couldn't play. So, I mean, really just kind of an incredible story for them to even be in the ball game. Uh, But they lose to the Eagles last night, I think by 10 points. Um, But they had two games actually on Tuesday, which obviously is not a normal night for American football. Mm -hmm. And they even moved the Browns, uh, the, uh, the Browns game to Monday as well. So they had two games on Monday. Look, we've talked before, you know, the NFL has been pretty strict about not wanting, you know, they didn't build in an extra week into the schedule this year. They're not really giving, you know, teams, um, uh, you know, really any leeway. This was the first week of this season that the NFL has had teams, you know, had to move around because of COVID issues. And we're into week 15. So um, they don't want to really do that a lot moving forward. But look, you know, one of the kind of more outspoken players in the league against the vaccination, Cole Beasley, from the Buffalo Bills has tested positive yep. and he is not going to be playing this week and, and I don't know if you've seen his comments John he's he's been pretty vocal still in his opposition I, I think the way he phrased it was uh, COVID is not making me miss this game the rules are I mean he said he feels fine oh, stop you know, Seriously. he feels fine. They've, you know, and his point was there are vaccinated players who get to play and they are, they have tested positive, but they've had the vaccine and so they get to play. And so he's, you know, he's just trying to bring up all these different points, um, but he's not going to be out this week. So we'll see, you know, if he raises any more of a hubbub. And then in the NBA, they've had to, uh, move around seven games. I think they've actually canceled a game uh, today that was supposed to be played tonight. Um, and they're trying to give teams a little bit more leeway when it comes to signing, like, you know, players to the, you know, to their teams in, in case a bunch of starters, you know, get sick or something like that. Uh, they're trying to let, you know, folks have a little bit more leeway. Uh, so you're here, here, you're seeing guys that maybe haven't been in the league in the last two or three years, but are still staying in shape, getting called in and getting a chance to play again. So that, that's kind of odd as well. So, I mean, unfortunately, right now, all of the major sports that are kind of in season are getting impacted. Yeah, and it's also going down to the collegiate level as well, isn't it? Here in Texas A&M, may not be able to play in the Gator Bowl. 
Yeah, and Miami, I think, has also got a bunch of players in the in the COVID protocol as well, and so they're trying to figure out, you know, um, you know, like, look, last year several bowl games had to get canceled at the last minute because, and look, we didn't have the vaccines last year at this time, you know, and, and but you've got these players that are in the protocol, you know, that are in the health protocols that it's impacting the football teams. We're starting to see now um, a couple of the basketball teams have come out and said, look, our players in in college basketball have come out and said our team is 100% you know double vaccinated and they've all gone and got the booster shot as well and we're starting to see more and more of those teams make announcements and so um you know again it's it's just kind of impacting everything right now yeah i don't want to spring this on you but you probably heard about it the nhl have decided that they're not going to go to the uh, 2022 olympics in, in beijing but that doesn't really surprise me because i think actually even in non-covid times the nhl aren't that keen on their players playing in the olympics anyway well because it happens in the middle of their season yeah, which is the biggest exactly. reason and, yeah. you know n- not to try to get into any socio political discussions here you know i mean they typically don't 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 like it when the when the players or the league you know sends uh, the players to their different countries to go represent them in in the olympics because of the time it, it takes you know they typically have to pause the season for you know three weeks you know kind of in the middle of december january you know january or february or when it is as you're kind of making the turn into the playoff push and so that's always the biggest reason that they don't want to do it now you add on COVID and any of the other things that you want to talk about with China, all of those things, I, yeah. you know, I think it was kind Human of rights. an easy yeah. decision for them to make this year. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that they've actually pulled out. In fact, uh, we've obviously got that diplomatic incidents, well, diplomatic uh, core not going from many countries, the UK, the from the USA, yes. from Australia, mm-hmm. they've all decided that they're not going as well. So this is just another pullout, isn't it? It is. And look, uh, you know, uh, we still have a couple of months until, you know, the opening ceremonies. Who knows what happens if something if it gets worse, you know, or a different variant or God forbids, you know, it gets worse than that. Sure. You know, you, you hate it for athletes around the world who've been training and training and training. But unfortunately, I mean, as we've seen, this is this is bigger than anything we ever have to deal with. You know, I mean, yeah. there's just so many uh, implications here. Um, I mean, I, I would pr- hope that the game are going to be held but yeah i mean we you know we could see other countries or other athletes decide not not to go yeah that's the thing is the it always hits the athletes hard isn't it i mean with diplomatic uh, corps pulling out uh, china's uh, alleged human rights records nhl now not letting their stars go it, it's always the athletes who put so much work into getting to where they right. are are the ones that get hit the hardest no, that's that's exactly right. And again, I, I think, you know, I, I mean, I don't think, I, you know, the 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 Americans famously boycotted the Summer Olympics in 1980 in Moscow. You know, at the height of the Cold War, um, and it you know was really just a, to send a message to the rest of the world about you know kind of how they felt. I, I think if if they decide, and I don't I don't believe this is going to happen, but I mean, what kind of message would that send right now? You know, I mean, I, I think it would. It would shock a lot of people if something like that happened uh, today. But again, that's the at that point. But they can use COVID know, as an excuse now. You see, can't they? Well, you, they yeah, can, I mean, they look, can pile that on. Do, you could always do that. Um, but again, to your point, I mean, it, you really, I mean, it, you, the people that get punished the most in this instance are the athletes that have been training and, and trying to do the right thing, you know, their whole life. That's the problem. Um, Tiger and his son. 
yeah. it's like uh, ganger and doppel it's, ju- <laughs> it's just amazing like he's got all I can't think of his name uh, he's got all the movements he's got all Charlie. the manner Charlie he's got all the mannerisms of his dad yeah. it's just absolutely remarkable and of course They've dressed him exactly the same way. It's it's just oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm I'm I actually am a little uncomfortable with it. What's your view? I, I mean, I, I you know when he, she shows up on Sunday, black pants, red shirt. I'm just like, let's go. Let, yeah. I am in. I'm all in on this. I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't watch nearly as much golf as I used to, but I I mean that you know I was watching it the other day, and it, 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 John, it, I just think in general, I mean. The fact that he is playing, you know, less than a year after the massive injuries that he sustained in that car accident. I mean, that was at the beginning of 2021, you know. I mean, that was in January or very early February when this occurred. Uh, and, I mean, he's lucky he's ever been able to walk, to, to be able to walk. Yeah, he's lucky he's alive. Play yeah. golf. Yeah, never mind that. And, I, you know, I, I just think it's it was phenomenal to see. And, I mean, look, you know, they lose to, you know, they finish second to John Daly and his son. And, look, John Daly came out afterwards and said he, he thinks Tiger's going to be back to playing, you know, like he always has sometime this year. He said he wouldn't be shocked if that if that happens. I like John Daly. I've actually had Twitter chats with John Daly as well down the years. <laughs> He's a man who responds to anything, you know, which is great. Um, but yeah, look, I don't know. Look, it's just, I'd say that's a sponsor's dream now at this stage. I oh mean, my God, yes. The money must come flooding in for that, and especially if he actually makes it you know and he looks like he's he's got the potential well yeah i mean i mean look when he when he won you know what was that a year or two ago uh i mean it it got all those folks you know back watching the golf and then it had been several years you know since uh he'd been you know consistently winning and so you had newer fans maybe that had you know only ever heard of him before and maybe not younger people had not ever really got a chance to live it and see it you know so yeah i mean if, if he's able to crank out i mean just think about it even if in the next five years he's able to crank out three or four more major victories Who's not watching that? If you're even yeah. remotely interested in the world of sports, you well, know? I suppose I was I was kind of alluding to Charlie as well. I mean, if he makes it, I know he's only a young guy, but if he makes it, I mean, right, the world's his oyster. <laughs> Well, yeah, because then you get the cutaway shots of his dad in the stands, and you know All he's going to be, lo- you know, he'll be losing it. He'll be like the ultimate sports parent at that point, you know. Really irritating, <laughs> really, really irritating. Tell us what's your plans for Christmas? Are you going to watch anything? Anything that's uh, is going to tickle your fancy in terms of American sport? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've, the, you know, with the the holiday falling on a weekend, uh, you know, there's two NFL games on Saturday, um, you know, full slate on Sunday. The the Saints play Monday night. So that's, and look, you know, look, because they had to change the schedule last week, basically eight out of 10 days uh, in a row have, you know, at least NFL football on. There's none tonight and there's none on Friday, but we've got, you know, games, you know, game tomorrow night and then, you know, two games Saturday and then Sunday and Monday. So um, there's plenty to watch, you know, as we said, you know, there's bowl games on kind of all, all, all times right now uh, for the college football, college basketball is kind of in full swing, yeah. you know, no hockey and, uh, you know, the NBA is going to kind of fight through this, I think, for the next couple of weeks. And look, you know, they may schedule games, to play earlier in the day because they've had to postpone and move some things around. They might have to play in front of empty stadiums. I I think at this point they're really just trying to be able to do what they can do to get the games played. 
I don't know if you realise this, but uh, Ireland kick off a nine-match tour of the USA in the West Indies this evening at 7 o'clock in cricket. And they're playing in Miami. Uh, five games, a T20 starting at 7 o'clock tonight, and they've got two T20s and three one-day internationals. And we were talking, and you'll hear a little later on, Andy Balberni, the Irish cricket captain, and they said they were walking down the street and everybody thought they were a football team, uh, a soccer team, as you'd call it over there. And right. he, they tried to explain what cricket was, and they were going, that baseball man? So... Um, <laughs> A little confusing, but apparently the ticket sales are going well. Uh, so Ireland back in the USA, cricket-wise, for games in Miami. But you didn't know that. I hope the lads have a good time while they're stateside. Yeah, well, they're out of a bubble, which is great, because they've been living in a bubble for the last couple of years, so they're out of a oh. bubble, so they're happy enough with that. Shep, listen, it's great to talk to you once again. A happy Christmas to you, buddy, and a very happy New Year as well. Thanks, John. I appreciate it, as always, talking to you. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody listening, the whole Game On team, and I will talk to you guys in 2022. Keep it going. That's Jeff Shepard there. I in America, Stephen Kelly. Festive football preview after this. Game On with Green Firm. Fuel your day with Green Firm's high-protein cooked chicken breast fillets. 100% natural and packed with flavour. Game on on 2FM. Uh, Stephen Kelly must be doing his Christmas shopping at the moment. We can't get him on the line for the moment, but so uh, hopefully we will have him in the next few minutes. So for the main, meantime, Ireland are kicking off that nine-match tour of the USA. This is cricket and the West Indies this evening at 7 o'clock with the first of two T20s in Florida, marking not only the host's first home series against a test-playing country, but also Ireland's first visit to the USA for 48 years. Now for Ireland, an early exit from the delayed T20 World Cup in October and their captain Andy Balburnie looking to the back-to-back games against the US and the United uh, West Indies to find a better balanced batting lineup, perhaps ahead of February's qualifiers for next year's T20 tournament. I've been speaking to him during the week. We're going in to win the to win the games, to win all the games we play out here. Um, it's a different challenge. It's a new ground that we've not played. Uh, we've never played in. It's a, it's a team we've not played much against. So. There was a bit of disruption with, with, with COVID tests and stuff like that, but I think the 11 will go in, which will be an exciting level, and hopefully we can we can start the, the tour off well. Tell again. us what the uh, what the bubble is like there at, at the moment. I know it's um, tough being in a bubble at the best of times. How is it now? It's not a bubble. Um, fortunately enough, um, we're able to get out and go to restaurants. Obviously, we're not allowed to sit in restaurants. We have to make sure that where we, where we eat, we can... We can eat outside, but we can go out for walks. Um, we can go down to the beach. Um, it's it's not a bubble, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, it's the way, in my opinion, that it has to be going forward. I know we've had cases um, before we came out, which was annoying, but um, certainly the guys have been smart. Um, so the, that bit of freedom makes it a completely different tour. Um, a lot less stress um, sitting in your room all day and twiddling your thumbs. So in that regard, it's great. That must be a huge relief to you. Huge relief, yeah. It, it, it makes it almost makes you want to go on tour. I found it really tricky the last couple of tours, knowing that you wouldn't be able to do a lot. Um, naturally, you're there to play cricket, but you spend a lot of time on tour, and um, it can really get you down sitting in your room and, and doing the same thing every evening. Um, so to be able to just even walk down to the, the coffee shop and pick up a coffee and go for a walk, just that sort of stuff that you took for granted before, um, it's just brilliant, and, and the guys are really enjoying it. 
with the COVID cases in your camp, did you were you fearful that this might not go ahead, this leg anyway? Yeah, I was. Um, I think I was in the taxi on the way to the airport when I found out about the three cases that we had in Ireland and then the two lads out here. Um, but there was a part of me that was a touch concerned, but the guys who were at the airport, we just got in the plane and, and came out and, you know, it was... It was it wasn't the most ideal day of flying. We were we were doing a lot of queuing and stuff like that. But we got here out here safe and sound and slowly, you know, we're starting to get the numbers back up to where we were, um, with guys arriving in. Um so yeah, it's it's starting to look a bit better than maybe did at the start. Are all the squads vaccinated now at this stage? Yes, as far well I I think all of us are, are certainly double jabbed. Um I haven't had my booster and I'm not sure many guys have had their boosters just because we don't fall into the category that are getting well they are selling them around the corner shops around around where we are here but um, <laughs> I've been advised not to not to not to go in and get them here. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, you think that's important that the squad are all double vaccinated and then beyond that um, boosted? Look it's it's not really my place to say. I, I certainly will be getting the vaccine as soon as it comes about. I think it's it's just it, it's a protection against what's going around at the moment and there's so much kind of up in the air that um you know the best the best thing to do, in my opinion, is to get jabbed and, and protect yourself and others around you. But you know, I'm not going to say that everyone should be doubled or should be jabbed. That's completely their opinion. But um, I know when when a, my opportunity comes, I'll be I'll be jumping at the jumping into the top of the queue, hopefully, and getting it. Okay. And uh, what kind of uh, games are you expecting against the USA? Unknown quantity for a lot of us here. What's the expectation? Yeah, then they've had they've had their complications with COVID as well, so they're kind of bringing guys in that. Scott Irvine, who who's not out here at the moment, um, he's been our analysis. He's been our analyst. Sorry, he's been sending us the footage of the guys that have just come into the squad. So we're sort of learning on the um, as day by day of who they're bringing in and stuff. But um, I think we've prepared really well um, with the adversity that we've had at the start of the tour. Um, we've done our best, and um, I think the guys are just raring to go. And beyond that, you were playing in Jamaica against the West Indies in the World Series League. How do you think they're going to go? Yeah, um, it's, it's slightly different in the sense that the, the World Cricket League has taken a bit of a, uh, a different look on it. Um, certainly with the, you know, naturally you want to qualify for the World Cup, but these were big games in the sense that you didn't want to drop off and finish towards the end of the bottom of the, of the pile. Um, so you know it is still potentially in our hands to, to qualify for this World Cup, and that starts in in the Caribbean against the West Indies. Um, you know, I think we started um, the cycle of this. Oh no, sorry, it was just before the World Cricket League came in. We were out in the Caribbean, and we had some really good good games out there. The US leg we're really excited for as well. It's you can't really hide it away from the fact that we were really disappointed after the the T Twenty World Cup, and this is just a chance for us to go out and and try to play with with a bit of freedom and just give the guys some confidence and, and, and hopefully to go out to express themselves. Um, it, it, it's easy to say that and easy to say to the guys, they've got to go out and do it. We've all got to go out and do it um, once we get over that line. But um, I've seen a lot of good stuff in the, in the short period that we've had here. Guys are enjoying themselves and, and the, you know, there is a bit of buzz around. And, and going back to the last point, I think the fact that guys are able to kind of go to a shop or go to a restaurant that just has a knock-on effect on how everyone's feeling and um, hopefully that sort of bit of freedom gives us that freedom when we go out and play as well. Let's hope so. Well, the first match on the tour is against the USA and that starts at 7 o'clock, so about 20 minutes' time. If you want to see it, it's live on Premier Sports and we're talking footy after this. <laughs>
FM with Green Farm. Have your dinner ready in a flash with Green Farm's high protein cooked chicken breast fillet. Available in selected stores nationwide. Game on football. Well, we had hope for uh, Stephen Kelly, but uh, Alan Cawley will have to do. Hi, Alan. I only have to do, is it, John? <laughs> <laughs> ah, off the you? bench, number 12, Dave Fairclough. Ask your grandparents. <laughs> How are you doing, man? The one thing about that is I'm reliable and dependable, John. Absolutely. Yes, and this is why we hired you in the first place, and that's why you're on the big books. That's Very the good, very good. I'm good, thanks. How are you? God, can't complain. Uh, obviously, first part of call is the three English uh, League Cup matches tonight, the quarterfinals. Brentford, Chelsea, Liverpool, Leicester, Spurs, West Ham. Uh, good win for Arsenal last night. Uh, I thought uh, Eddie Nikita actually played quite well, didn't he? Yeah, big win for them, John. And I think the biggest positive out of that for Arsenal last night is obviously their league form has picked up, winning their last three, uh, and they've done a great job. And, of course, the Aubameyang thing, which I think Arteta has handled really well. But last night he was almost able to play a reserve team and give players game time and still come out with a comprehensive win, 5-1. And as you say, Nketiah getting the opportunity, scoring a hat-trick as well. So it's very much rosy, very rosy in the garden for Arsenal at the moment. Things are going very well. I, I certainly had my doubts about Arteta, but... I have to say in the last three or four weeks he's really done very well John and as I said that Aubameyang issue I think he's handled that really really well obviously the opportunities that the young kids are getting Saka, Smith, Rowe, Martinelli um, and things are really looking very much optimistic for Arsenal. I think they've been very good recently. Yeah that's one thing that uh, Arteta has been given that a lot of managers haven't been given time. Yeah absolutely and I suppose um, he earned that really with the, the piece of silverware he picked up when he first came in last year probably didn't go as well as, as he hoped and there was a bit of pressure on him certainly the start of this season and I ha- I still felt the jury was out on him at the start of the season but I have to give him credit in the last three or four weeks I think he's done really really well and I like what he's done with Aubameyang there's so many managers now indulge the top players John and it's not good I don't think it ever ends well and it certainly won't end well for a manager if you do that because at the end of the day you're the one that's going to get the chop and I think what he's done with Aubameyang we all know the highest paid player in the club, the captain as well, the most high profile player. But the way he's dealt with that situation and kept everybody on side while doing it, I just yeah. think he set his stall out. And that's the important thing um, when, when making bold decisions like that. But I think you have to make bold decisions if you're going to be successful. And the last three or four weeks, both on and off the pitch, he certainly impressed me. Yes, hence the word manager. You know yourself, being at that uh, high level of football that you played down the years, that you have to buy into what the manager is selling. You've got to buy into his ideology. And if that includes disciplining certain players, uh, it has to be that the rest of the squad will have to buy into that, won't they? 100%, John. And, uh, and as I mentioned, the fact that Aubameyang is the high-profile star at the club, that shouldn't matter. You should be treating them all the same as a young kid starting off Unfortunately, that's not the case nowadays with the power that the players have in, in a lot of situations. But I felt he stood right up to Aubameyang and showed him who's boss. You have to do that or else they'll walk all over you, I feel, John. And that's why Guardiola and Klopp and these boys are so successful because even though they have the best players, they still demand the best professionalism from those, those players as well. We saw something similar with Guardiola at the weekend having a go at Grealish and Foden because they rocked up the training after the game against Leeds a bit under the weather. And even though they're young young lads with obviously a lot of distraction and a lot of off-field distraction. He wants the best professionalism out of every player that he has. And if you're not doing it, no matter how good you are, 
well they'll even come down hard on you and I think that's the same um, obviously Arteta worked closely with Guardiola Guardiola demands the highest professional standards from his players as does Klopp and all the best managers do that and I think that's why they come out on top in a lot of cases because unless you're doing that I think the players will walk all over you Yeah and that's the one thing as well uh, with the uh, Guardiola and obviously Arteta being in the uh, public um, domain at the moment in terms of the results and how things are going and obviously that disciplinary issues at Arsenal isn't it great to see they're actually going to face each other on uh, New Year's Day yeah that's going to be a huge game because I'd say Arsenal have really turned things around now we all know the four man city are in they're absolutely imperious at the moment and I think it's eight wins on the spin they've been outstanding scoring 11 goals in their last two games obviously against Leeds and Newcastle and it just looks so ominous for the rest of the teams because they're so good at the moment and if you think back to the run they went on last year as well I think it was around this time of year um, and they went right up until March unbeaten so it is. it does look ominous for the rest of the teams but the praise I've just given Arsenal is very much justified, John, because they've turned things round, as I say. Um, they're riding high. They, they look like... For the first time I look at Arsenal and the, the teams that he's picked in the last two or three games, not the game last night, but certainly the, te- the team he's picked in the last two or three games, and it almost looks like a team that you could really work with. And Ben White, um, obviously Gabriel, centre-half, Tierney, left full, Tommy Atu's come in, done really well. The midfield area as well, Xhaka... Um, playing very well obviously we also him in the Euros and when he's tuned in and concentrating he's a very good player and then if you filter in the young lads in and around that Saka, Martinelli, Smith Rowe um, for the first time in a long time there's reasons to be optimistic about Arsenal and that'll be a huge game and as you mentioned both of them facing off against each other having worked so closely together as well so that'll be one over the Christmas period I'd be looking forward to that's of course if they go ahead. Mm. Um, mm. Obviously, Wales uh, Welsh government have uh, decided no fans at their Welsh games and the Chepstow uh, Welsh Grand National. The Scottish government has said only five hundred fans are allowed at their games. Uh, where do you stand on this? Do you think this game should be going ahead? I heard um, a report. Was it on the Spurs match at the weekend uh, on uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday Sport? Um, uh, one of the reporters saying he felt uncomfortable there because there was a lot of people on the concourse drinking beer, no masks around, uh, and he felt he was uncomfortable actually reporting at the game. Uh, where do you stand on that? Yeah, that's not good. I actually heard that report as well, um, and that reporter mentioning that he felt uncomfortable at the game. And we see the games on Telejohn and 50,000, 60,000 people at the games, whether they're wearing masks, some are, some aren't. I'm not sure if they're enforcing those laws around the grounds. Well, you know, Manchester United have said, look, you've got to have the the COVID pass. Yeah, I think that's important. And if they are going to run with this, it just seems to me, as you mentioned, Scotland, Wales, all the other countries, obviously the neighbouring countries around England at the moment. And it just looks like it's almost inevitable what's coming down the tracks for England as well. Hopefully that's not the case. And that's us with our maybe just sporting selfish heads on. But you have to think of, obviously, people's safety and whatever about fans in the ground. And they're so important in travelling to games. The players as well, I think Jordan Henderson came out today and said he's feeling a little bit like that. We're not being listened to the players as well because it's such a hectic schedule as well. You're playing games the 26th, the 28th, New Year's Day, three or four games in the space of 10 days. It's a lot to ask of the players from a football aspect, but then when you throw in COVID on top of that as well and they're having to go home to their families. and It's just so tricky, John. Like Nobody knows the answers. And unfortunately for us all, we just wish this thing would go away. Like. 
Yeah, there's one piece of optimistic note tonight. The wave of Omicron appears to be milder, according to a couple of studies published in the UK and South Africa's very preliminary studies. Uh, But the concern remains that even if Omicron is milder, the sheer number of cases could overwhelm hospitals, which is the big big worry. Um, And one very vocal about this, Jordan Henderson, now he's saying his concern. We hear this every year, don't we, about player welfare, especially around this time of the year, with the amount of matches they say they have to cram in over the Christmas period. Now, as you say, throw in COVID. The 2-2 draw at Spurs, he said, the Reds will play five games within two weeks despite COVID cases and injuries. And Stephen Gerrard says anxiety over COVID-19 is reaching such a level that one of his players was reluctant to get even out of their car because he's got a young family as well. Yeah, and they're the things, like, at the end of the day, we only see these lads on television and people will straight away focus at the privileged position they're in and the money that they're earning. But at the end of the day, they're just human beings like us all as well, John, and they have families and, and that they have to go home to young kids, whatever the case may be. And I don't know how you, how you treat that situation. I think everybody has to be treated individually in terms of their choices. So if you're a manager, you mentioned Gerard there or maybe Klopp with Jordan Henderson, I'd say they're having to treat each player each individual on a case-by-case basis. I don't like in terms of, now, pardon the pun there, but just in terms of how the player feels about the current situation. And if a player doesn't want to play, I don't think it'll come to that they don't want to play, but if they're feeling uncomfortable, you mentioned a player not wanting to get out of his car. It just seems inevitable what's coming here. And, and I know Scotland has that winter break and the clubs are, are kind of voicing their opinion now that maybe bring that forward. I wonder if the circuit yeah, break thing will work. Said that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder if the circuit break thing will work in England. But I'd say the problem with England at the moment is the field, the Premier League. Certainly, if they shut it down, how difficult will it be to get it back up and running? As we've seen last year as well, because you might think that you're only shutting it down for two weeks, but if this thing was to run and run. It could be a lot longer than that yeah, to get and I, I get where their fear is coming from, but if you actually go back to what uh, when the whole thing started, this was based on two cases closing it down completely. Arteta mm. and one of the Watford players. Mm. But so much has changed. There's so much water under the bridge since then as well, John, as you know. And, and then I think the biggest problem with the Premier League players that it should be pointed out, as well as the vaccination uptake. Like you look at the games in Italy, Germany, France over the weekend and the data has something like in the high 90s 98, 97% of players that have taken vaccinations where I think it was in 65 up until last week in England or a couple of weeks back it's moved up to 77% now I think that's an issue as well and obviously Klopp is very vocal on that in terms of the, the players telling the players to get the vaccinations or hoping they will again it's a personal choice of people but I think that's ca- causing the problem with, with there's so many cases in the Premier League as well maybe yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? Um, you know, what to do? Uh, there was a very critical piece in The Guardian I saw this week uh, about uh, Premier Division clubs and the fact that they didn't take a vote and they were saying basically we're dictating government policy by not uh, not circuit-breaking this and closing it down. But as you say, once you stop it, how do you restart? Yeah, and that's the problem. And I think as well, what, what unfortunately, the world is obviously controlled by money as well nowadays John and I think you we remember when it was stopped last year all the the clamour for where is the money going to come from and to fund clubs and the worries the clubs would have and filtering down to the lower leagues as well obviously the Premier League clubs in a lot of cases they'll be fine but filtering down and they probably don't want the headaches to that as well because of of the trouble that caused also with with clubs um, last year so it's very very difficult like it's hard for us to say like we of course we want the festive period it's brilliant for fans and neutrals and people who love football tuning in and it's brilliant but I think the players Jordan Henderson does have a point I think 
at some stage the players have to be listened to as well John because you can't keep just flogging them out every Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday just for our benefit that's totally unfair no matter how much money they're earning yeah, God, the other days of just all the matches at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. That's the one thing. Yeah, Jordan Henderson, like he's a man you, sh- you should really be listening to. He actually, when he talks, he makes a lot of sense, doesn't he? Absolutely. And and Henderson has become the spokesperson for the clubs on this. Obviously, he's Liverpool's captain, but he was the one. If you remember, he got all the captains together and they raised so much money for the NHS as well during the first lockdown. So, um. He's a, he's a proper role model, Jordan Henderson. As you say, when he speaks, people should listen to him. And, and he does have a big voice. Like He's the captain of Liverpool Football Club. Um, and, he, and he should be listened to, along with all the other players and the captains. And if they feel as though, in some ways, as I say, they're not being listened to or their point is not being heard, I don't think that's right either, John. Because at the end of the day, if, I know football is about the fans, but if you don't have the players on the pitch, we'll have no football altogether, you know? Yeah, well, the edict is, if you've got... Uh, 13 fit players and a goalkeeper they're supposed to play the games if not they will be punished isn't that the criteria? Yeah that's what they're saying and, and of course these clubs have big squads as well but at what stage as well John another point on that is the integrity of competition called in because there's Brentford tonight I'm listening to Thomas Franks getting ready and they obviously missed out two games because of their COVID cases over the last 10 days so tonight they have a fully fit squad to choose from or a strong team their strongest probably whereas Chelsea have the cases and Tuchel is saying he's going to play maybe the 23s or reserve lads as well so you look at Swan yeah, they've been doing that in the League Cup anyway over the years I mean there was a big biggest furore ever when Man- Manchester United went to play Port Vale one time and all these people had said they'd pay the money to see the stars and Ferguson for the first time brought the kids in so yeah well I, th- I think Chelsea under Tuchel would have played a strong team had he all been fit but he, he has all these issues to be dealing with and their league form has been suffering over that as well and, is he under pressure? Um, no Tuchel yeah no John come on under pressure seriously Manager of the year last year. Yeah, well, not this year. I mean, they won't beat Watford two one. Top of the Premier League, five games, only one victory. You're a hard man. I tell you, I wouldn't want you as me chairman if if that was <laughs> the little the little run and you're under pressure. <laughs> He's three points, four, six points, six off points the top. behind Man City going into the Christmas yeah. period. Yeah, you have. You look at the last five games. They've drawn two, one two, and obviously um, they, they got beat as well by West Ham which there's no shame in that. West Ham are having a very good season. So under pressure, absolutely not. Tuchel's a brilliant manager, John. He'll he yeah, get I things agree. back yeah. on track, but he's just having to deal with so much at the moment. And look, people won't have sympathy for that because the club that he's at and the squad that he has and all that. But these are real-life issues that they're having to deal with, you know? So it's, it's a difficult one at the moment. But I tip Chelsea at the start of the season. I don't know now will they win the league because you look at the former man senior, but I wouldn't be ruling them out at this stage, absolutely not. No, the last minute then. Uh, Stephen Stay, Liverpool host Leeds at Anfield. Liverpool should win that easy. Uh, but 4-3 in the first day of the season, but Leeds have gone completely off the boil. Uh, man City played Leicester, Aston Villa played Chelsea. On the 27th, uh, it could be an interesting game, actually. United have Manchester United haven't played a game in a while now. Last two were postponed. They're at Newcastle. How did that go, do you think? Yeah, well, that will be interesting. Newcastle are obviously struggling massively, and they're just desperate for results. I think they're doomed, to be honest, John. They're really struggling. It depends in January who they can bring in player-wise because if they keep the same 11 at the moment, they won't stay up. United as well were very poor in their last game against Norwich, but that was two weeks ago. You'd nearly forget. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. That will be a good one Monday night, uh, 8 o'clock. I'll be tuned into that. There's a couple of good games. Stevens Day, Man City-Leicester will be a good game as well. And Villa-Chelsea, Gerrard going up against um, maybe a new manager, if, if you have your way. <laughs> <laughs> 
no chance. Alan Cody, listen, thanks for coming off the subs bench. It's always a pleasure to chat to you. Uh, I won't be seeing you for the next couple of days, so listen, have a really, really good Christmas, mate, and we'll see you in the new year. Same to you. Thanks, John. All right, thanks very much. That's Alan Cawley. Hope you've enjoyed today's programme. Ronan Lawler was our producer today. I'm John Kenny. Tomorrow, the best of game on 2021 with Marie and Ruby. From me, have yourself a really, really good Christmas. <laughs>